This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Ronald Freudenberger, Walter and A. Hazel May Chair for Excellence in Cardiology and Physician-in-Chief of the Heart Institute at Lehigh Valley Health Network in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Dr. Freudenberger, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I am, uh, by training, an advanced heart failure uh, and transplant cardiology uh, specialist. I did my training in New York City at Mount Sinai Medical Center. Uh, after that, I went on to become the medical director of transplant cardiology at the University of Maryland, where I also served as a co-leader of the University of Maryland Cardiac Network, uh, which was an innovative private academic payer system collaboration uh, where we uh, managed a uh, capitated contract for cardiac services. Uh, I then went on to run the Advanced Heart Failure and Transplant Cardiology Program at Rutgers uh, Medical School. And uh, for the last 13 years, I've been at Lehigh Valley Health Network, where I started as the head of the uh, head heart and vascular service line, uh, chief of cardiology. Uh, and about five years ago, we formed a heart institute, which brings together the uh, divisions of cardiology and cardiothoracic surgery into one department. Uh, I also serve on the board of governors of the Lehigh Valley Physician Group and the Grandview Lehigh Valley Health Services, uh, which is also a partnership between uh, our uh, health network and a, a neighboring hospital. Uh, and I uh, have the pleasure of serving as section editor uh, in heart failure for the Journal of the American College of Cardiology. Well, fantastic. I'm really glad that we have you on the podcast, and I know, you know your expertise will really shine a light on several things happening today in cardiology. My first question is, what are the top three biggest issues that you're concerned with today? Well, today in the... Uh, COVID world, uh, we have seen a changing demands. Uh, we've seen less uh, hospitalizations uh, for uh, cardiac issues. Uh, we've seen less interventions, slightly less uh, cardiac surgeries. And our overall uh, national uh, metrics have indicated that there are actually fewer emergency department visits, which have adversely affected our volumes in uh, cardiology and uh, heart surgery. Uh, and then uh, we've seen an increased demand paradoxically in our outpatient services uh, and, and, uh, and a new world of uh, a new world of telemedicine, which uh, is new and provides opportunities as well as uh, some uh, hurdles in, in executing. Uh, I think that right now is, is what's on most uh, people's minds right now, dealing with that uh, change in demand and reallocating providers. Uh, other challenges that we see are uh, really uh, many health networks have uh, taken on hospitals in rural settings. Recruitment and retention of providers in those rural communities is very challenging. Uh, and uh, speaking to colleagues around the country, they are exper experiencing similar challenges. Uh, and um, that will continue to be even 
more challenging as our population ages and the needs for additional cardiac services expand just based on the population uh, of older people uh, in this country. And I would say the third part uh, that's both exciting uh, and challenging uh, relates to new technologies that we've been working on, particularly in structural heart uh, in the structural heart programs. Uh, very interesting novel technologies uh, that have provided great benefit for the patients, but the high material costs have caused uh, lots of uh, financial changes that we need to deal with and uh, creates challenges in our budgeting. Uh, and challenges in uh, maintaining uh, our margins so that we can continue our mission. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, considering these changes from a, a lower uh, intervention, surgery, and hospitalization demand during the pandemic to, you know, increased demand for outpatient services and then allocating providers, as well as what you just mentioned in terms of some of the financial challenges and bringing in the new technologies. Um, how do you see heart care evolving over the next 18 months or so? I think we'll continue to see a push towards uh, telemedicine, uh, which of course changes, really can change market dynamics in that we would be able to provide services in non-traditional service areas because of our extended reach. Uh, I will, uh, I think we will continue to uh, have uh, significant dependence on our advanced practice uh, providers. And I think that uh, some of the evolutions in structural heart as well as electrophysiology are uh, really uh, amazing and interesting uh, technologies that uh, are here and will continue to evolve over the next 18 to 24 months. Got it. That's interesting to think about. And so I'm wondering, especially as you see uh, the push to, towards telemedicine, how can that really be implemented effectively for uh, cardiology and heart specialists? I know it's not something that can be used for every single visit or, or you know, really all types of interventions, but um, how do you see it being most effectively implemented, especially after, I'm sure in some cases it was uh, rolled out hurriedly last year and then now is in kind of the refining process? I think that's a great question. Uh, and one of the challenges is using the right type of visit for the right uh, type of patient. I think telemedicine works well for, particularly for follow-up patients when we're titrating medications for either heart failure or hypertension. Uh, I think um, it works well for second opinion programs in uh, areas such as uh, structural heart and cardiac surgery. I think those are exciting uh, areas that uh, organizations are just getting into. Uh, and of course, less well with uh, acutely ill patients or patients with uh, acute problems that uh, make it challenging to assess over the, over the uh, video or uh, telephone visits. Um, but I'm sure that technologies will catch up to us and allow us to do to work around some of those challenges. Uh, and there are already some on the market, such as uh, remote stethoscopes and uh, remote uh, blood pressure and uh, heart rate 
periodic uh, point of care testing. That's great to hear. Now, what are you most excited about today and what makes you nervous? Uh, they're the same. Uh, the excitement is all the new uh, great treatments that we have for structural heart uh, and uh, heart failure, and I'm very nervous about paying for it. Uh, we are uh, seeing these technologies that are very expensive. Uh, in general, the payments have not significantly increased, uh, which uh, erodes our margin, uh, which then makes it more challenging to uh, reinvest in our nonprofit uh, healthcare systems, and it makes it challenging to maintain uh, provider compensation and engagement. I think most providers will tell you that we are uh, seeing more patients uh, who are more complex and uh, getting paid uh, less overall uh, for what we do. Uh, so maintaining that uh, excitement and provider uh, engagement and compensation uh, in, with increasing costs is uh, very challenging, but it's also exciting to be able to provide new treatments for patients. That's great to hear. And as we wrap up this conversation, I was wondering, can you share three pieces of advice for emerging physician leaders today? Sure. I think it's very important uh, to be transparent with our with providers. Uh, when we are in uh, physician leadership roles, uh, we are uh, truly uh, leaders, uh, but we lead from the pack. Uh, and a lot of uh, Providers are not very familiar with how reimbursement uh, to hospitals and practices work. Uh, I think the more that they can learn about that, uh, the better uh, one can lead. I think uh, maintaining transparency uh, with issues and challenges and payments and uh, patient satisfaction and patient service uh, is extremely important. And uh, we do often see physician leaders who uh, come up with solutions very quickly uh, and may not necessarily seek feedback uh, from providers. With, um, and I think it's, that's one of the most important things that uh, we can do is to continue to have transparent conversations about our challenges and seek solutions and feedback from our providers within the context of what is possible. Uh, so we may have uh, challenges. Uh, often the solution is to spend more money uh, to expand, uh, and that's not often a realistic solution. So putting that in context and ha having people understand what the challenges are and what the constraints uh, are in, in fixing these problems uh, can sometimes really result in uh, great solutions and uh, better satisfaction and engagement of our colleagues. Dr. Freudenberger, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Great. Thank you.